Okay, we are on page Tes Vav of the old books, and what page in the new books? Tes Vav. in the new books. Okay. All right, so, so we're speaking about the level of Bittu B'Metzias that a person is supposed to meditate upon uh, during Birkas Kriyashma. And just going back to the end of the last line, Aval B'Kriyashma, Hu B'Chinas Bittu B'Metzias, Zad Hizvaynis Ha'ergash. And in Kriyashma, it's the level of Bittu B'Metzias, Zad Hizvaynis Nafilin. Fine. What? What did you ask me? Exactly what we've been talking about uh, in terms of the meditation, in terms of, right, if there's only light, right? Remember the whole, we gave uh, yeah. quite a few, mashalim for the last few classes about it. Um, so this is what a person has to spend his time thinking. The person spends his time thinking about it, and he focuses. And he, he... One of the most important things that the Rebbeim are saying here is that we have to spend our time, uh, a little bit of time every day, meditating, right? Because the objective is to, to rearrange our minds, the objective is to be, start to be more in control of our minds and to implant within our minds certain ideas that hopefully will, uh, will become digested within us and that we will be able to face the world with these ideas. In other words, right now, uh, the ideas that are implanted in our minds are everything that we see. In other words, our physical lives are the main idea that's going on. So the physical lives, we, and that's how we are conducting ourselves in terms, of our, um, in terms of our day-to-day life. And what, what we're talking about here is we're saying, okay, let's try to change um, our superficial approach to the world with a deeper approach to the world. So how are we supposed to do that? Right? How are we supposed to look at the world from a different perspective if, in fact... You know, we've been living in this little world for whether we're 18 or 20 or 50 years, and we sort of get how the world works, and what we see is what we get, right? So now we're trying to, so to speak, brainwash ourselves in, in a positive way to say that what I'm seeing from my nefesh Bahamias of the world is not necessarily the reality. And if it's not the reality... Right? I want to become much more in tune with what is the reality. And so by learning about it and then spending the time thinking about it, I rearrange the way I approach the world. That's basically what we're talking about here. So the first way is Yehudi Tata that we've been talking about. Yehudi Tata means that Hashem is creating every single thing every single second. And he is the highest of what's going on in this world. Now, you could spend from today to tomorrow walking around the world and you're never going to get that idea. This is an idea that Hasidus teaches, that the Torah teaches, that is not an idea that we're seeing with our own two eyes. Now, if we were walking around in the world of Yitzira, or even in the spiritual world of Asiya, that's what we would be seeing with our two eyes, or our spiritual eyes, or however you want to call it. But here in this world, we would never come to that conclusion. So we have to rearrange the way we are looking at things. And then Yehudi Allah is this idea of Enor Milvado, that there's nothing else here except for Hashem. 
And the fact that I'm looking at the world as being separate entities that have nothing to do with each other is just not, is just not the truth. It's just not the facts, right? That we are all interconnected, we are all one, is the truth, right? And that idea is not something that I'm going to come to just by, you know, looking around and trying to figure it out. Now, Avram Avinu did because he was someone that was incredible, right? Whether when he was three years old, he figured out that there was an Abishter, that there was God, right? But most of us are not going, are not, are you know, for sure not on the level of Avram Avinu. And without this type of guidance, right, we wouldn't come necessarily to this idea. So this is, this is, the, this is the concept. Bahagam. Now, even though, right, Bahagam is always a question. So you have to sort of see what's going on here. Bahagam de Bechin Shechuri Allahu Ba'at Silus Dafka. Tisham Ihu Bachayo Hichad Ihu Bagarmo Hichad. What's his question? What are we saying? Taich it. Let's go. That, uh, so, isn't it that the level um, that the level of Yehuda Elah is that's that that's seemingly that, all the way in itself. Except the there, Yehuda Chayolichad, he and his life force are one. So what's his question? The question is, seemingly, could only be properly applied to Atsilas, not Bia. So, therefore... Why are we bothering with it? Yeah, that seems to be the question. Very good, David. Right? The question is, you're telling me that we have to be spending our time meditating on Yehudi Law. I'll tell you back, I'm sitting here in the world of Asiya, Agashmi, Achumri, right? Down here in the lowest of all worlds. What do you want from me? In other words, that's, this, is not, this is not the place to be talking about Yehudi Allah. Yehudi Allah is Atzilus. So why do you want from me that I should be thinking about Yehudi Allah? Yes? Yes? And that's what we're saying. Wouldn't the answer to that be that because Bia is already like within Asiya, then by virtue of Asiya... What do you mean Bia is in Asiya? What does that mean? Bria, Bia means Bria, Yitzira, and Asiya. Yeah? Right. Okay, so. So, by virtue of Asiya being totally misbattled to a Kadikrochu in Yehuda by virtue of that, so should be a. The fact that we don't see it is, that's just how we're. Again, the question, the question that he's asking is we're, it's saying here that we should be meditating on Yehuda Ilah, right? And, and we know that it doesn't, it's not really applicable in our world. So, why are we supposed to be meditating on huh? Bria. We know that Kriya Shema is in the level of Bria. But Lachain, he be Yeshiva. What does it mean, he be Yeshiva? Before it's done in a way of sitting. We do it sitting down, right? Right? From your dwellings, brings on the Pasik. You should bring the bread to be waved. And it's explained that that's the idea. 
right? That it's a tzilus shibibriya. Namely, that, that the idea is that this is eme la, which is coming down into, I mean, this is, this is the idea of a tzilus that's coming down into bria, right? Moshevsechem tabiyu lechem tenufa is the idea of bria. It's the idea of bina, right? That's the idea of, of thought, of understanding. Okay, let's understand what we just said. Okay, so this is the difference he's bringing in a discussion here on the world of Bria. There's something called the Heichalos of every world. The Heichalos of every world is, so to speak, lower than the light or the spheros of the world. The spheros of the world are like the engine room of the world. What were the, where were the spheros of this world, so to speak, in the Gashmistic world? That would be the base of Mikdash. But no one lives in the base of Mikdash. Right? The idea is that you have the spheros of the world, that's like the, so to speak, where all the engine, the, the light, everything is happening. And then you have the Heichalos of the world. The Heichalos of the world is where the Malachim live, where the entities live of that particular world. Right? So when we're talking about Birchas <clears throat> Kriyashma, which is all the brachas that we say before the Kriyashma, we're not actually in the Etzim of Bria. That's already the lower world. That's the Heichalos of Bria, which is the, where the entities of that world live. Right? Masha'in came, when we get to Shema itself, that's already the idea of the or. Now, where's the or coming from in Bria? Where's the or coming from in, in Bria? From Matzilus. Right? That's the idea. So let's read it again. You don't want to go into Rabbi Wagner's class? Yeah, probably better because it's Yeah. Whatever you like. So he says like this. That this is the difference between Birchas Kriyashma and Kriyashma, the Shnehim Hembe Bria. They're both in Bria. Ella, the Birchas Kriyashma, Hembe Heichalos to Bria. The Birchas Kriyashma is in the world of the Heichalos to Bria, Atma. The Kriyashma, he begins or Ha'atzilus to Bria. However, the Kriyashma itself is the or of Atzilus, the way it is in Bria. Continuing, hold on one second. This is the idea of the supernal mother, which is the idea of Bria. The Mekanina. Mekanina means to nest Bekorsaya in its chair. So the idea of a chair is the idea of lowering oneself down, the idea of sitting, the idea of going from higher level to lower level. That's the concept over here. Okay? So, Skip the parentheses, one second. Since it's the level of Atzilus, since Krishna is a holding on the level of Atzilu, so to speak, it's a level of Yehudi law. But it's the way Atzilus is going down into Bria. And that's why you have the idea of the Ava, the Hispilus. A reaction, and not just bitul b'metzias the gamre. Continuing, the hispilus virash. The idea of hispilus. Hispilus means a reaction to something, an emotional reaction to something. 
Rash. Rash is a noise, an effect that's happening. Who mitzat hayeshem is so this is the idea of something that's becoming bittel. Like example, right? When you have a campfire, right? If you have a campfire, and let's say that the wood has water in it, right? So the sound that you hear is a much greater sound than if, for example, you have a campfire and the wood is dry. When the wood is dry, everything is very quiet, as I still, right? You see the fire burning. When the, when, the, when the wood is damp, it makes a hissing sound. Why? Because it's mivatling a yesh that's there, right? Because whenever you're mivatling a yesh, the more that the yesh is a yesh and it's becoming bitl, right, it's going to make a rash, it's going to make a noise, it's going to make some sort of, there has to be some sort of forced reaction to it. So that's what he's saying here. You got it? So the idea of, for example, Shema is very different than the idea of Shemona Esrei. Shema is V'yahavta. V'yahavta means that I love, right? That I'm going to love, V'yahavta, you shall love Hashem your God. It's a commandment. Right? It means that there's still a me there. So it's a it's a it's a concerted effort to get to the point of that bitl. But there's still a, a an entity that's there. Masha Enkin, the way the way Hasidus explains Shmona Esrei, Shmona Esrei, it's a total quiet. We're standing up, we're standing still, we're totally quiet, right? It's a different energy. You see the difference between the two? Yes? So the Yehudi law that we're trying to accomplish in Krishma, for example, is we're fighting against it. We're, we're meditating on the, on the aspect of it. But we're, we're very far from where we need to be. Hopefully by, by, by Shmona Esrei, officially you're there. Now how does this apply to me? Because most of us were, were davening and uh, you know, just, just going. Right? That that's the idea. Why is my house blowing me? So the, the, how does it apply to me now? What the Rebbe is saying here is that, is that, again, the davening, davening is meant to be, right? Davening is meant to be a, as we talked about many times, a ladder. It's supposed to be a time when we're changing we're changing ourselves. We're, we're impacting ourselves. We're, right? We're, we are shifting our minds. Right? That's the time of the day that we're supposed to be doing this. When you're sitting and learning Gemara, for example, you're focused on the Gemara. You're focused on cow is right, going, an ox is going a cow, a cow is getting hurt, right? Or you know, you're trying to build a build a wall. If you're building a wall in a courtyard, and this one has has a griya, this one has has a griya, this one is has a house. Is it going to make it dark? All these different things that are very detail oriented in terms of of legal statuses. Here, what we're supposed to be doing during davening is a very different experience. Davening is supposed to be a time where I'm shifting gears in life. When I'm shifting gears from my natural, everyday experience. It's supposed to be a time when I, okay, I'm, sp- I'm spending the time where it's just 
my relationship with Hashem. And most people, right, who are living with their nefesh of Ahamiases, that's who we all are, as we, we've been explaining in chapter 29 of Tanya, right, are not in that mode. We're in the mode of being alive in this world. That's the mode that we're in. That's the objective in, of our nefesh of Ahamiases. Get more, be more, figure out how to live through another day, you know, have fun with this and do this. And we're trying to shift, we're trying to shift that energy away from just the Nefesh of Bahamias' uh, intent, so to speak, and try to lift us up to a different type of existence. So that applies to the way we are experiencing Hashem. It applies to how we're experiencing another person. It applies to how we're experiencing our lives with our Hashkacha Pratyas. In other words, at what point in time are we supposed to be shifting? Right? We talk about it throughout the day when we learn Hasidus. We talk about, oh, you have to be living a life of Hashkacha Pratyas. You have to be uh, kinder to your uh, fellow Jew or to, to your fellow person. Right? You have to be living... All of these things that are being thrust upon us that we're being told... But in essence, what are, we, what are we doing? We're just sort of living our lives. How are we supposed to get to that point where we are shifting our focus? So davening is supposed to be that time. So how are we supposed to do that? How are we supposed to get in touch with that energy that we're now trying to shift our being? So during the davening, we're supposed to be trying to become a more of a, so to speak, a settled person and a person that is focusing more on, on how Hashem is interrelating in our lives or how the other person is interrelating in our lives in a deeper manner. That's what's supposed to be happening here during davening. It's not just a rapid fire of words that are supposed to be in between uh, Seder in the morning and breakfast that follows. Right? So how is that, what is supposed to be happening here? So a person is supposed to be, if in an ideal situation, starting to train his mind. So much of Hasidus is about mayach shalat alev. What does it mean? It means that my mayach is supposed to be running over my lev. My lev is, is rapid fire everywhere. So how is that supposed to happen? So it says in chapter 12, it's natural. It naturally is supposed to happen. Well, it's only, it says later on in Tanya that it only naturally happens if you, if you didn't like, get involved in a million other things with your nephew Bahamias. But all of us have gotten into a million other things with our nephew Bahamias. So now we've fallen away from Mayach Shalat Lev. So how are we supposed to now reinstitute this incredibly valuable part of ourselves which makes us different from an animal, right? Which is Mayach Shalat Lev. And the way to do this is through this hisbonyness process, through this meditative process that's supposed to be happening. Well, when is it supposed to be happening? Well, it's supposed to be happening every, every single morning in, in shacharis. That's when it's supposed to be happening. And in particular, before shacharis, where you sit down and you stop and you start to focus, which implies, right, taking a few breaths, relaxing yourself, and then thinking about these ideas that we're talking about here, of the Yehudah Tata and Yehudah Law, 
<clears throat> and, and trying to focus on this in my life. Now, most people will tell you that it's not easy to focus on one thing for any period of time. So how are you supposed to train your brain to start doing that? Right? In other words, try it for a second. Right? If you try to think about even like either a, a line that you, you memorized in Tanya, a few lines you memorized in Tanya, or an idea that we're talking about here in the Mimer, and you'll find very often that your brain will just automatically, you'll start thinking about it, and then all of a sudden you think, oh, uh, what's for breakfast today? Oh, uh, I have to deal with my car today. Oh, I have to call my mother today. Oh, I have to, right? Our brain just is like scattered all over the place, right? It's constantly moving away from wherever you are. And just to bring a, uh, an interesting study in psychology, just to give you a, a little bit more of an interest uh, you know, in this, it says that there is 47% of the time, according to this study, Harvard study, 47% of the time that we are, in, are alive, our minds are wandering into something else. In other words, uh, there was a, a study that was given that uh, persons involved, he's supposed to t- you know, they text him at different times of the day, and, and what happens is that whatever he's involved in, right, he tells, well, I'm involved in whatever, this, this, whatever, and says that at that moment, are you focused on what you're doing? And 47% of the time, it, a person is not focused. This is an interesting side note. Um, then they ask, uh, are the person, you know, different levels of happiness and content and everything like that. And uh, sig- significantly, uh, anyone that's not involved in what they're doing is never happy. So it's, the, name of the, the name of the paper was A Wandering Mind is an Unhappy Mind. And since people are literally, their minds are wandering half the time in life, that means by definition half the time they're unhappy. Just with the default. So that is the default of, of every single person now, nowadays. You know, whether it was like that 100 years ago when they didn't have telephones and they didn't have internet and they didn't have anything like that, I can't tell you. I don't know if this research project was done then. Probably not. But nowadays, because of all the super distractions that we have in our lives, right, which is just endless, right, for all of us. I mean, I remember when there was a time in yeshiva, we had a thing that we put the telephone in the box, and that was like when we had flip phones. There was no such thing as internet on the phone or anything like that. Right? Just because it was so distracting. But the point being what, and it applies to everyone, everyone that I know. So you have, you don't have to, but I would suggest that when a person recognizes these details and they recognize what's happening to them, that they should try to take measures to offset this. So how are we supposed to offset this? So what the Rebbeim are teaching us is the way to offset this, not that they had this necessarily in mind, but it applies also, is through channeled focus of being aware of what one is doing, right? And channeled focus in particular in terms of redefining, right? Redefining what they're doing here in this world. And the more that a person spends his time, in particular we're talking about in davening, focusing, on the davening, focusing on the relationship, focusing on the things that a person is supposed to be doing here, right? So then what happens is that 
what happens is that a person is going to be able to, right, change that equation. So now we talked about a meditation on Yehudi Tata. We talked about a meditation on Yehudi Law, right? And we talked about the different points of davening. So if a person is going to use those points in davening, right, to bring himself to these uh, spiritual awarenesses, it's going to change who he is, and it's going to impact him in a very, very big way, in a very positive way. Yes, John. How did we make the connection between Krishna and the Brachish Krishna with Bria? Well, the Chlal, we know that each part of the davening is a different level, a different world, right? And what we're asking here is, we had a problem, because we said that Krishna, the Chlal, is the idea of Yehudi Law. We asked the question, if Yehudi Law is in Atzilus, because that's the place of, right, which is the Zayar's way of saying, right, Hashem, it's all one, right, and the Kalim and the light and everything is one, it's all Hashem. So then how could we expect to have that level in the worlds of Bria? And what he said is that there's different aspects of the world of Bria. First of all, Bria for sure is Yehudi Tata. But in Bria itself, you have the way the light of Atzilus comes down into Bria, and that is Yehudi Law, and that's the idea. Okay, let's read a little but bit further. The, like, in order to, yeah. like, kind of, like, I guess, create Bria, there has to be, like, that flow of energy. 100%. So that's not, like, that's the whole Bria. Like, I'm saying, <coughs> with that logic, <coughs> Mm-hmm. You could also say Asiya is also from, obviously, Atsilas. Not from. It's where's the light coming from and shining at that point. So the light of Atsilas is shining in Bria. Let's, let's read a little bit further. So he says like this. This is the idea of Ema Ila, which is nesting. So the idea is that it's coming through Malchus of Atzilus, it's coming into Bria. But Ema Ilah is the idea of Bina, the Bina of Atzilus. The idea of Bina is the idea of Hasaga reaching to grasp intellectually. This is the idea of Shema Yisrael. This is the idea of hearing and grasping. That also in this level of Hasaga, of reaching, in the level of Achtus Hashem, which is coming from the idea of the Atmos Oreinsov, it's still in a level of rash and any spilus. It's still in a level of reaction. Because there's still something there. It's still there's still the yesh there. Not with the rash, talking about Eliyahu Navi. Because this is not the level of Atsilus. So we see that what's supposed to be happening, at least you know, in, in our minds, what's supposed to be happening in the davening is that we're still holding in the level of Bria. We're still holding in the level of there's a yesh. And then he contrasts this to when you get to Shemona Esrei, that is already a different story. 
That is already the idea of standing in front of the king. Not making any noise whatsoever. It's just a bitl of his entire existence. Because at that level, a person is already supposed to be experiencing the atmos or And that's the idea of the cold, the sound of, right, of, of silence, basically. That's the concept of wow. this, right? Okay, so what have we done? What we're talking about here is we're talking about different levels that, a, that davening is supposed to be. Now, realistically speaking, none of us are reaching up to Bria and, and Atsilos and all these things. But the point is, is to have this awareness and to spend the time trying to focus, right, and spend the time trying to uh, spend a few minutes meditating. So what does that mean? How should this look? So before davening today, right, after you finished, uh, you know, all your kabanas and you put on your tefillin and everything like that, take a few minutes, take a few minutes, right? Start by just breathing to relax yourself, to get to a point where you're just slowing yourself down a little bit. The most obvious way of doing this is uh, counting your breath, or just relaxing in terms of focusing on the breathing. Then start to think about one of these aspects of, that we've talked about in the Mimer. Start to think about the idea of yesh, uh, of yesh, you know, bitla yesh. This idea of how Hashem is creating, Hashem is making, Hashem is creating this, creating that. We've brought so many different mashalim for it. If you spend the time filling your mind with that, and for sure your mind is going to wander because you're not practiced at this. So bring it back. It wanders, bring it back, bring it back. When you're gonna do this, even for two minutes or three minutes, your davening is gonna be a different davening. It's going to put you in a different space, which is really the objective of what davening is supposed to be. It's supposed to be an objective of changing the focus from your day-to-day life. It's supposed to be this moments, even if it's just a moment of time where you're now shifting your focus away from just the Gashmiyastika world and into your relationship with Hashem, it changes you, which is the objective of it. And it's a very different experience than just rattling off a bunch of words. So what I would recommend is, you know, during your time, uh, during Chazar, when you're doing Chazar now, spend a little bit of time focused on uh, one of the aspects that we've been talking about, whether it's Yichri Tata, Yichri Allah, whatever, and just spend a bit, of, a bit of time, like, going through it. This is one of the few Maimarim uh, where the Rebbe Rashab really uh, takes it step at a time, point by point by point by point by point. If you memorize a little bit of what he's saying here, not word for word memorize, but memorize a little bit of the direction of what he's, what he's doing, then you become, you're able to focus in on that. Your, your mind is going to become totally consumed with it. And when it becomes consumed with it, so then your change, your relationship with Hashem and your relationship with yourself is going to be a different relationship. And then you start davening and then you hopefully are trying your best to focus on what the words are saying as opposed to just rattling them off. Okay. Anyway, this is a practice. Hopefully, everyone should try to uh, accomplish today. Hatzlacha Rabbah.